You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. Previously, we examined some of the expeditions that preceded the Battle of Badr and how the events unfolded before the Battle of Badr. So we mentioned that in the middle of the month of Jamadi al-Awwal, in the second year of the Hijrah, the Prophet received news that some caravan from Mecca that belonged to the Quraysh was going to Syria under the leadership of Abu Sufyan and so the Prophet along with a number of his companions he went to a place called Dat al-Ashira, we talked about that and that's where Imam Ali was sleeping on the uh, earth and the Prophet gave him the title Abu Turab, we talked about that but basically what happened is when the Muslims had reached Dat al-Ashira the caravan of Abu Sufyan had already departed that area, so they missed the caravan of Abu Sufyan, it had already gone to Syria. Then in the month of Rajab, we talked about how the Prophet sent an expedition with Abdullah ibn Jahsh. And if you remember a skirmish happened, uh, some Muslims killed some of the pagans and it sparked a controversy, how can they kill in the sacred month of Rajab? They came back, back to Medina to the Prophet They were, you know, they did not know what to expect. The Prophet waited for revelation and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the verdict. That what they did was a big deal, you know, to kill in the sacred month. However, what the pagans have done by driving the Muslims out of their lands, by persecuting them, by finding the path of Allah is a greater and much greater than what these Muslims did. So then that expedition came to an end, then in Sha'ban, that's when the, the expedition of Abdullah ibn Jahsh returned to Medina. So now the Prophet and the Muslims were in Medina. Now the caravan of Abu Sufyan which had gone to Syria was on its way back to Mecca. It was in the month of Ramadan when the Muslims heard that the mighty caravan of Abu Sufyan is going south to Mecca. So according to Alam al-Majlisi, the Prophet sent a man by the name of Adi, some historians say he sent Talha ibn Ubaidullah and Sa'id ibn Zayd, he sent them to collect information about the caravan of Abu Sufyan to gather some information and intelligence, you know, which route is he going to take, what kind of merchandise is he carrying, how big is the caravan. So he sent them to collect information and they came with the following information. They said it's a very big caravan and all Meccans have merchandise in it. Number two, the leader of the caravan is Abu Sufyan and there are 40 people with him who are guarding the caravan. Number three, the merchandise is loaded on 1,000 camels. 
Can you imagine the sheer size of this caravan? 1,000 camels carrying the goods of the Meccans and the value of those, um, you know, those care of that caravan and what they were carrying was 50,000 dinars. A dinar is a golden coin. At the time you could buy a sheep with a dinar, with a single dinar. So today how much is a sheep? Let's say $200. Multiply $200 by 50,000. What do you get? One million, two million, how much is it? One million? 200 times 50,000. 10 million. So what's equivalent to about 10 million dollars? Now back then that was a lot of money. A lot of money. 50,000 sheep, what's equivalent to that? That's a lot of money. So they came to the Prophet informing him of this intelligence that they gathered. It's a huge caravan. Now if you remember we said before that the Quraysh had confiscated the property and the money of many Muhajireen, Muslims. They even you know took their lands, they took their homes. So many of the Muhajireen had lost their money and property. And so the Prophet according to some historical accounts, he said to the Muslims, oh Muslims, this is the caravan of Quraysh, you can go out of Medina and take possession of the property of Quraysh and your living conditions will improve. So the Prophet did give them permission. Many of those Muhajireen, your money was taken, if you can go and reclaim your money now, go and do that. This is the just law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You were driven out of your home, your money was seized, now you have an opportunity to reclaim it, go and reclaim it. So in these circumstances, the Prophet left the city of Medina with 313 companions. This was in the month of Ramadan. Some ahadith indicate it was on the 8th of Ramadan. And some say it was on the 12th of Ramadan in the second year of the Hijrah. Almost exactly 19 months after the migration of the Prophet Where does the Prophet go? The Prophet he leaves with 313 companions and they go to encamp by a well called Badr. The well of Badr, Bi'ru Badrin. That area is now called Badr. Where is Badr? Does anyone have an idea where Badr is? Where is it located or situated? I mean we know it's in Hijaz, modern day Saudi Arabia, but do you have an idea of where it's located? Badr is located southwest of Medina. It's about 150 kilometers, so 100 miles, 90 miles, southwest of the city of Medina. But the route that the Prophet took was about 257 kilometers because it was a caravan route and you know usually the route wasn't straight maybe it had to go around hills or mountains or maybe there were unsafe areas so the Prophet actually traveled about 250 kilometers with 313 companions in the month of Ramadan to get to bed. Now the Meccans traveled even more to get to bed. they traveled around 400 kilometers from Mecca going north Badr is only 30 kilometers from the Red Sea, so it's pretty close to the coast. And if you're familiar with the coastal city of Yambu' in Saudi Arabia, 
it's not too far from Yambul. So the Prophet went to encamp there. Now why there? Because Abu Sufyan when he's coming south from Syria with that large caravan, it was expected that he, was, he would pass somewhere in that area. You know, between Badr and maybe the coast. That was the caravan route that would take you to Syria. So they went to encamp there to monitor when the caravan would come. They would stop the caravan and the Muslims would take their possessions from that caravan. Now, Abu Sufyan, he was well aware that the Muslims were waiting for him to return and they would try to seize some of their wealth. So Abu Sufyan stopped, he's like, you know what? I'm not going to take this risk. Wherever he was, he stopped, he's like, I'm not going south because I know the Muslims are somewhere waiting for me to get my caravan. He does something dramatic. What Abu Sufyan does, he figured he has no choice but to let the people of Mecca know that I'm in danger, your wealth is in danger, we've got you know a thousand camels loaded here, 50,000 dinars worth of merchandise, so you better come and rescue your merchandise. There was a man by the name of Them uh, Them Ibn Amr al-Ghafari, he was known to be a swift camel driver, Abu Sufyan gives him 10 dinars, he tells him go and enter Mecca, go get yourself to Mecca right now and let them know what has happened and he gives him instructions on how to enter Mecca to rouse them up. You know what Abu Sufyan tells him? He tells him when you go and enter Mecca, cut the ears of your camel so that the blood is flowing from it, pierce the nose of the camel, tear your shirt, spill yourself with blood and when you enter in that dramatic scene, tell them, oh people of Mecca, Muhammad is seizing your merchandise, come out and do this in order to fire them up and get them ready for war. So them them Ibn Amr al-Ghafari, he goes to Mecca and in a dramatic way just as Abu Sufyan had asked him, he enters the city of Mecca and the Meccans when they saw that scene they knew this was a big deal. So he made an announcement and he said, oh people the camels which are carrying your musk, the misk, you know, that was very expensive perfume for the Arabs. It's carrying your misk, it's carrying your merchandise, it's about to be confiscated by Muhammad. And I'm doubtful whether it's going to reach you. So you have to take action, get up, he mobilized the people to go to war. When the Meccans really saw that, their warriors and their brave men, they were instigated immediately and they decided, okay, let's go to Badr where now Muhammad is and let's try to reclaim our property. Everyone pretty much left and decided to leave except Abu Lahab. Abu Lahab, he decided not to participate in this battle. Now before them, them arrived the city of Mecca, Atika, the daughter of Abdul Muttalib, so the aunt of the Prophet, the Prophet had an amma, aunt by the name of Atika. She, three days before them, them came and gave this horrifying news in that dramatic scene, she saw a dream. She saw in her dream that a man riding on his camel came 
and he started you know yelling and calling the people of the city and then a rock or a stone from the mountain of Abu Qubais which overlooks the Kaaba basically broke and it generated dust and it entered every house in Mecca. She saw this dream. So she told the Bani Hashim that she saw this dream. Her brother Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet, he goes to Utbah ibn Rabi'ah, one of the leaders of the Meccan Quraysh, and he tells him, my sister Atika has seen this dream. Utbah says, if this dream is real, then a tragedy will enter every house in Mecca. A big tragedy is awaiting us. Abu Jahl couldn't take it anymore. He's like you Bani Hashim, it wasn't enough for you that you have one Nabi Muhammad and now you have a second one telling us about unseen information, Atika is now the second prophet. He says, I swear by Allah, I'll give her three days. If her dream doesn't turn out to be true, then I will make the Quraysh write a letter that the most, the biggest liars in history are the Bani Hashim. Muhammad claimed to be a prophet, he's a liar and now Atika is giving us this information and she's lying. On the third day, them them arrived with that camel and that dramatic scene and he told them the, the calamity is approaching, get up. Subhanallah, you know, this is the dream that Atika had. Now, when the Prophet left the city of Medina and he went to bed, he kept Aba Lubaba, you may have heard of Aba Lubaba, he's one of the prominent companions of the Prophet. The Prophet he declared him as his representative in Medina while they were gone. And he designated Abdullah ibn Ummi Maktoum to lead the Salah. See when the Prophet would leave for a few days, he would make sure that someone in Medina represents him. These are all indications. Is he going to leave for the last time without appointing someone? Now, this was the first time that the Ansar joined the Prophet in an expedition. Be up until that time, only the Muhajireen would. But the Ansar would just stay in Medina. This time the Ansar decided to join the Prophet So there were 313 companions and here's the breakup of them. There were 82 Muhajirs, 170 Khazrajis and 61 from the Aus. The Aus and the Khazraj were the Ansar in Medina. So you had 82 Muhajirs out of the 313 and all the rest were from the Ansar. So the Ansar participated uh, in greater numbers in this battle. The Muslims had only 70 camels and the Prophet and Imam Ali and a companion by the name of Murthad ibn Abi Murthad, they shared one camel because there's only 70 and they're 313 so they have to keep sharing. You know one of them or two of them ride on the camel, the other one walks, when he gets tired they switch you know places. By the way Murthad, this companion who shared the camel with the Prophet and Imam Ali, he was a righteous companion and he died in one of the expeditions about two years later in the, in the fourth year of the Hijrah, he died as a Shaheed. He was uh, one of the Muhajireen and after the Battle of Badr, 
Interestingly, the Prophet sent him to take some Qurayshi prisoners of war back to Mecca because the Prophet had a number of prisoners of war in his possession with the Muslims. He sent Murthad to take back those prisoners of war to Mecca. Now when he got there in Mecca, there was a lady called Unaq. He was familiar with from the days of Jahiliyyah when he was in Mecca. She was his friend. In fact, maybe you could tell from some hadith she was like his girlfriend from the <laughs> Jahiliyyah days. So when he gets to Mecca, she hears that Murthad is in town. So she sends him uh, a message asking him to come and you know uh, spend the night with her. <laughs> he says no. The religion of Islam has outlawed you know, fornication, adultery and uh, this, is not, this is not something that I'll do. And he refuses. Now when he comes back to the city of Medina and he meets the Prophet he asks the Prophet, can I marry her? I know she is a bad woman, corrupt woman, she you know, had a habit of committing adultery. But now if I'm interested in marrying her, can I marry her? The Prophet didn't say anything according to this hadith, he said, let me wait for revelation. Allah reveals this verse in the Holy Quran. Allah says, Az-zani la yankihu illa zaniyatan aw mushrika, wa zaniyatu la yankihuha illa zanin aw mushrik, wa hurrima thalika ala al-mu'mineen. Allah gave his verdict that a woman who is adulteress, it only befits her to marry a man who is adulteress. But as for the mu'mineen, this is haram on them. So basically the Prophet gave him his answer, no, you know, it's not appropriate for you to go and marry a corrupt woman like that. So you know, he got his answer from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Muslims, they had 70 um, camels, they were sharing. They only had one horse or two horses according to some accounts. If you remember when we talked about Miqdad ibn Amr, one of the great companions of the Prophet, he had one horse and that's why he was called Islam. He was the first horseman in Islam because he owned a horse and he brought it to the battle of Badr. There are some indications that as Zubair ibn al-Awam who's the cousin of the Prophet, he also had a horse. In any case, maybe they had two horses, maybe they had one, but at least they did have one horse over there. Now logistically, the Muslims were at a disadvantage. They're 313, they only have 70 camels and they only have one horse or let's say maximum two horses. Now these 313 by the way who attended the Battle of Bad had a special status in the Medina community. They were called Badris, you know those who attended Bad and they defended the Prophet They were really considered prominent in the eyes of many people because this was the first significant battle in the religion of Islam. Anyway, let's contrast the numbers of the, numbers of the Muslims with the numbers of the pagans. The Muslims were 313. How many mushrikeen were mobilized to come and fight? About 1,000, so triple the number. How many camels did they have? 700. Muslims had 70, the mushriks had 700, so 10 times more. How many horses did they have? 100. The Muslims had one or two, the pagans had 100, so they were no match. When you look at it from a logistical perspective, numbers wise, they were no match for the, um, the unbelievers. <laughs>